everyone, and welcome now to another episode of the Stampede Podcast. It's been a while, but we're coming back to you guys now at the recap of the spring. Tito Benach, as always. With Dakota Wilson. And Dakota, we've finished up spring ball now, officially in the books. The Bulls held their spring game with uh, the offense, I believe, winning 56-55. to 55. Uh, I, I, I mean, I wasn't there for it. Obviously, you were there. The QB battle on hand, a couple position battles that were key to note, but... What were some of your main impressions to take away, or some of the things you took away just from that spring game that you, you kind of just noticed? Well, I noticed once again we're returning a strong stable of running backs. Um, Elijah Mack has been really impressive throughout the spring and in the spring game. He's a really physical runner, um, and Jordan Cronkright looks every bit of uh, a complete back. And uh, with the QB battle also, I think that that's going to stretch far into the fall, just like Coach Strong said. But I don't even know if it'll uh, be decided by the end of game one. Yeah, and that's something that you and I had kind of talked about. And I I mean, it's not to say that, that these two guys are bad, because I think from what we've seen thus far from them, it's not bad. But the level of difference or the, the separation in between is it's there's it's almost nothing it's it's not really there i mean both guys finished with similar stats two touchdowns i think oladukin had the lone interception that was a tipped pass and uh both finished with like about 127 yards uh keen looking a little bit more accurate which is why i feel like you know going in the the favorite would have probably been keen and you could probably still say that but there isn't much separation uh dakota and heading into the fall it kind of leaves you your head scratching about where the the, gen, the the generation of the offense will be coming from and who will be truly leading this team. Yeah, uh, Coach Strong has said both of the both of the candidates are strong leaders. Uh, the guys really respect them and they have strong voices in practice. But uh, your thing, the only separation that I could really see from the spring game is that uh, Oladukin was able to generate a little more yards with his legs because he's a little bit uh, quicker, and we've seen that throughout the spring too. Um, so that's, uh, that's my thoughts on the separation. Right. And it, it goes to show that, uh, having a good QB battle is great because you want the best guy playing. However, when it comes to a situation where, you know, you're replacing a guy like Quentin Flowers, uh, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on this position. No questions asked. I mean, it, it, it's going to be required of a lot. Obviously the offense last year had its high points and it had its low points. Uh, but a guy like Keen, who's been in the system for, been in the program for, I think three, almost four years now, and Oladukin, who has been in the program for two years now, uh, one of these guys is going to have to sit. And I think you you said at Dakota that they don't intend to play a two QB system. Thank God. But the the scare is, you know, if a guy like Keen doesn't get the nod initially, or even if a guy like Chris doesn't get the nod initially. Do either of them choose to leave, which leaves our QB depth very skin, or uh, very thin, scary, like a very, very small QD, QB depth? Yeah, that's a that's a really big concern of a lot of Bulls fans. I mean, it's a concern of mine also because uh, you know if they both are here, then at least if one were to say get injured or something or isn't working out, then at least you have some quality, uh, a quality backup or a qu- some quality depth behind them. But um, at this point. After, uh, if one of them were to leave after one of 
if they're not performing up to par, they have to put somebody else in, then they're going to be either turning to a walk-on or one of the uh, really young freshmen. Yeah, and that's not something you really like to turn to, especially, you know, considering the season that you're aiming for. This is where I believe when we talked about uh, the way the schedule works out for this team that, you know, you can go with one of these guys and it's not like it's going to be a total train wreck. I mean, you start the season, season off with Elon and, and that's that's great because it, it allows you to kind of maybe even see both of those guys. Uh, but then once you get into Elon, it gets a lot more difficult and then progressively gets difficult even up until that last November where you play, I think, Cincinnati, Houston, and then UCF. Uh, but it, it, I think, you know, this is like they said, it's going to be a battle that stretches into the fall. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at this point, Dakota, we, I mean, we touched on this, but I, I don't think it's necessarily set in stone, but maybe the staff is truly waiting to see what they have in a guy like Octavius battle. I mean, you know, if, if they're refusing to name a starter, it, I, I get that maybe the QB competition is so tight that they don't want to discourage someone or encourage somebody to transfer this early but you know when once Octavius Battle enrolls you know he could provide a whole other element to this offense and he's one of Gilbert's guys that's what we talked about that he recruited him he wanted him he handpicked him and and that goes a long way I think when it comes to uh, who's getting reps and who's getting uh, I guess the the coaching vision. Yeah, I agree with you, Tito. And uh, Octavius Battle uh, is a guy that I really was really one of the recruits that I was hoping that they could get an early enrollment because I really feel like he would have brought the level of competition up, um, just bring some fresh juice in there uh, to the competition and maybe amp the other two guys up to push them even farther as well. Yeah, so it it remains to be seen where that is. Uh, Like you mentioned, it looks like USF has a good stable of running backs. It I mean, it's a great sight to see Elijah Mack possibly turning the corner. Hopefully we can kind of see that in the fall. Uh, I mean, he's, like we mentioned, the quintessential Charlie Strong running back. I mean, big physical, a guy who embraces the the, the the physical and aggressive nature of the game. Uh, I mean, I think you guys retweeted that hit that he put on Natron Culpepper. I mean, he bulldozed him. So uh, Elijah Mack is beginning to really put things together, and that's a great sign. I mean, Jordan Cronkite is what he is. He's a tremendous running back. I think the USF staff is excited to not only use him in the running game, but, man, I'm, I am I, I tread lightly when I say this, but possibly use him in the passing game. I mean, he caught a wheel route touchdown or a, a jet, jet seams touchdown in the spring game, and I almost lost it because we didn't see a single running back do that the entire 2017 season. So, I mean – who knows? Maybe Coach Gilbert realized that he could use his running backs in the passing game, and that's another advantage for USF in terms of the, the stable that they have there. I will say that in the observation period that uh, we've been at, we've only been able to see like the last five or ten minutes maybe of practice, so um, take it for what you will. But I've, I have been seeing a lot more um, maybe like passing out of the backfield uh, to the running backs and even utilizing the tight ends more. I've seen – Frederick Lloyd and Mitchell Wilcox, Wilcox catch several more balls than I mean that they caught all of last season. Well, than Wilcox even caught all of last season. Mm. All right. Well, that's an encouraging sign, nonetheless. But uh, yeah, I think you're if you're a USF fan, you're not concerned about the running back position. That's for sure, and that's always an encouraging sign when you have a, a couple of guys that can get the job done. I even think Duran Bell, to some degree. Uh, kind of flashed his ability. I don't know what you saw out of him, Dakota, but 
do you think he's able to may- maybe provide a spark to this offense next year? Oh yeah, for sure. He's uh, he might be the quickest back in the backfield. He was a track guy in high school, I think, and uh, he's he's thin. He needs to get a little bigger, but I think he's going to provide a nice change of pace and can uh, be pretty electric out of the backfield because of his speed. Right. Awesome. So it uh, looks like, like we said, uh, USF very, very set at the running back spot. Now, in terms of receivers, obviously you have your your, your main guys, Tyree McCants, uh, Raheem Bronson supposed to be, uh, you know, coming back. I don't know what the, the update with him is. Uh, but outside of that, did anybody else uh, – I know Darnell Salomon too. I mean, he's going to be your 1A uh, along with Tyree McCants. is probably your 1B receiver, but – Anybody else catch your eye this spring in terms of the wide receiver spot that maybe you think could eventually make an impact on the field this upcoming season? Absolutely, I thought uh, Randall St. Felix is gonna is kind of uh, had one of the bet, best springs out of any player on the team. Uh, his route running has been really crisp, and his hands have been solid. He's made some really impressive catches during practice, and he led all the receivers during the spring game in receiving for sixty five yards and a TD. Yeah, St. Felix looked like a guy who really began to flash in the spring. Uh, I know the coaching staff that, well, he was originally a Taggart-identified recruit, and they loved him, and then when Strong came in, they also loved him as well. So I think uh, his size and his speed combo and his ability to go up and track the ball, uh, he's a guy that is probably in line for getting some reps once the season starts. And it'll be exciting to see because when he's the fourth receiver, there's not as much pressure on him as it would be if he was a one or a two, but he's a good fourth receiver to have considering his ability. Uh, like I think he could put on a little bit more weight, obviously, to help him with the physicality of the game once it starts. Uh, but he's a guy I think that by the end of next season will will, will probably be a main stable in the in the receiving room. Uh, now, one area that we got some news earlier this week that is a little bit concerning is the offensive line and. Uh, the news being that it seems like Grant Polk is medically disqualified after having his second concussion uh, in the spring, I believe, and he's now no longer in football. And with Eric Mays already, I think he missed the entire spring, Dakota. If I'm wrong on that, I think he didn't play this. Game. Yeah, he was on crutches and rehabbing the entire spring. Okay, so yeah, so we're now beginning to really, really uh, scrape the bottom of the barrel in terms of the right tackle spot. Obviously. Marcus Norman is your left tackle, and it, it, it's not a, a major leap to say that Marcus Norman could be looking at the draft after the season because a three-year starter at the left tackle spot who's always been great, and I mean, aside from the stories that have come out about him recently, uh, I, I mean, he's been a, a guy that's been a solid uh, production guy and, and maybe even projects as a guard at the next level, but uh, you know, you're really beginning to, to see a, a spot where it seemed like USF had good depth, but now it's turning into a spot that may not be as strong as it was last season. Yes, I agree with you, Tito. That's a spot that is uh, really that's one of the biggest concerns to me on the team. I think I can only count about that I can remember twelve uh, offensive linemen, so barely enough for a two deep, and that's including walk-ons as well. So once the uh, recruits, the new offensive line recruits, also get to uh, campus. They're going to have to work overtime, and all the young guys are going to have to probably uh, step up because we also have Marlon Gonzalez at uh, def- at offensive guard now too, over from defensive tackle. Yeah, and I, I mean, like a guy like Sebastian Saintsling, 
I mean, he might have to come in and, and be ready to contribute in some fashion. Brad Cecil is a guy that I think the coaching staff felt like he was all somewhat ready. Uh, Donovan Jennings, while he's got size, I mean, he's not ready for the speed of the game, at least not this early. And he won't be coming in until the summer at the earliest. So, uh, you know, Ethan Watson's another one that may, maybe in, uh, have to get in some reps with the second team. So, uh, while while you you know it's always great to get guys in early, I, I, you begin to get concerned about you know you know we don't have to have to rely on a true freshman to be playing right tackle at some point. Uh, so I I think it's going to be interesting to see how Matt Modix handles this offensive line. Uh, obviously, there's been some turnover in that department, but uh, in terms of just uh, figuring out the whole lineup. Uh, outside of that right tackle spot, Dakota, I guess in in your mind, is there anywhere else that you feel maybe that uh, we should keep an eye on? Is it the left guard? Is it is it the center spot? Is it the right guard? I mean, center uh, in the in the spring, it was Brooks Larkin and Michael Wiggs splitting reps there. Um, I'm imagining they'll probably try Demetrius Harris out at center also because I think he plays at the center in high school. Yep, he did. Um, so yeah, that's a that's another spot I I would also look out for. Yeah, I, I think Harris could eventually slide inside and, and play center because it may be more of his natural position than guard. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it goes without saying, you know, for this team to get where they want to be, the offensive line is going to have to be uh, a staple and a solid staple as it is. And with the amount of turnover that we've kind of seen in this last month, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do to, to shore it up. Um Defensive line-wise, though, I, I feel like that may have been one of the bright spots for this team thus far, Dakota. And uh, I, I felt like the defensive line did a great job in that spring game. I don't know about you. Uh, absolutely. I think the defensive line has been causing pressure all spring. It's been making it hell for the quarterbacks to make decisions back there. And, uh, yeah, I think a bunch of guys like Kegler and Kevin Bronson have really been having strong springs. And then they've had uh, guys like – even true freshman Stacy Kirby that he's an early enrollee they've slid him inside at D tackle and he's been seeing some quality reps inside as well yeah yep and I mean guys like Josh Black and Jawan Brown uh beginning to really see uh make some noise at those defensive end spots Uh, I I mean you you said it Stacy Kirby has even seen some rotation there and and the defensive tackle rotation as well uh and that's without some of the main guys who are going to be coming in uh, in the summer and the fall. Uh, Rashawn Yates and and uh, Trey Lang are both two guys who could see the field early for USF. I, I feel like uh, Yates is one that the coaching staff is very excited for and they want to get him in. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the rotation looks like uh, moving into the fall. But, I mean, what a, what a turnaround in terms of from one staff to another that this defensive line has become. I mean, we went from, you know, dying and, and begging for, for difference makers on the defensive line. And this staff came in and kind of just said, all right, we'll, we'll work with what we've got. And they've kind of turned guys that, in my opinion, I thought wouldn't really, you know, move the needle in terms of the defensive line. But now we can actually rely on a guy like Josh Black, a Jawan Brown, uh, a Kirk Livingston, uh, and, and I mean his name escapes me right now, but he was a former walk-on that just became a scholarship. Greg Reeves. Greg Reeves. I mean he's 
one of the more active players on the defensive line. Those guys are are becoming solid defensive line players, Dakota. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the defensive line, like we said, uh, has been a constant bright spot this spring, and they've brought in a ton of impressive recruits. Uh, so for the next couple of years, we should see this D-line stacked to the brim with talent. All right, and then now moving to the linebacker spot, it seems like, I guess, one of the main guys who's kind of made an impression this spring or one of the younger guys has to be Dwayne Boyles. Uh, and we, we pounded the table on this guy, Dakota, and it seems like early on he's kind of been making his mark. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be getting major reps, but the early signs and indications seem that the coaching staff really feels like he can make uh, an impact with this with this program. Yeah, he uh, he's been seeing a ton of reps this spring and he's been really impressive. He's flying around out there making plays around the ball. Uh, he's been seeing mostly second team reps and some third team also. Um, but I definitely think as we've said before that Boyles is going to be a huge difference maker on this defense. And I think he's going to see significant playing time this year. Yeah. I, I think Boyles is too much of an athlete to keep off the field. I feel like, especially in some of these early cupcake games that USF has, uh, you know, they can kind of squeeze in some reps for him to get acclimated to the speed of the game. But he's a guy that's versatile enough to not only drop back in coverage, but we've seen him be able to rush the passer. And I feel like, you know, this get, getting him early was so beneficial for him to get acclimated to the speed of the game. So uh, I'm looking out for Dwayne Boyles to be making an impact in some fashion next year. Excited about that. Um, as far as it goes with other linebackers, I know Nico Saltel has kind of stepped up this spring. Uh, you know, really taking on the onus of being the, the leader of the linebacker group. Uh, still, you know, kind of tiptoeing with Andre Polk. I mean, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, so I know that's been kind of hampering him his whole career here at USF. Uh, but uh, there is still, I guess, a possibility that Andre Polk could eventually uh, become a mainstay in the linebacking group. Yeah, that's a guy who I remember the previous staff uh was really high on Polk, but um, yeah, like you said, he's been plagued with injuries most of his career. Uh, Tony Greer is also a guy that the coaching staff said, well, he recently hurt his wrist, but he should be okay uh, to go into the fall. But uh, they've been saying that he's been making a lot of plays out there as well. Um, and then you got a guy like Kirsten Johnson who got who saw significant reps last year and uh, is just going to build on that this year. And then you have. Khalid McGee, who's uh, bulked up to t- around 210, he said, I believe, in the interview. Um, but he's been out there making plays, too. Yeah, McGee was an interesting position change. Uh, I mean, he's always been an in-the-box type of safety, but when it came to, to you know, coverage and, and safety IQ and, uh, you know, really reading defenses, it always felt like he was kind of out of position when he, you made him read the field, but... Now that he kind of stays in that, you know, 10 to 12 yard area for in the box, it, it kind of cuts down on what he needs to know and allows him just to be a lot more of an athlete rather than having uh, to, you know, read a receiver. What's the route? Uh, what type of motion are they running here? What's this formation? Rather, you put him in the box, you put him out there and kind of in that three three five four two five kind of striker role almost, but he's more of an in the box guy who can kind of just make tackles and, and make plays at the line of scrimmage or you know, at least a couple yards in front of the line of scrimmage, it makes it easier for him because he has that physical nature, that aggressive nature. He likes to hit, uh, and it cuts down on the ability or the opportunity for him to possibly make a mistake. So I felt like that was a nice position change for him 
Uh, like you said, I think some of those other guys uh, could eventually fill the void. Um, in terms of how we feel about the linebacker spot, I think there's a lot of young talent, like you mentioned. Uh, uh, a guy like Antonio Greer uh, could eventually grow into somebody that we really see become a mainstay in the linebacking position. So I, I think uh, this isn't a position where you're tremendously concerned. Uh, and then in the secondary, I I mean, I think it speaks for itself. You know, this this secondary continues to be probably, if not the, not the strongest, one of the strongest parts of this team. I mean, guys like... Jamon Thomas, Mazzy Wilkins. Uh, it seems like uh, a lot of these other corners, Ronnie Hoggins, are really beginning to turn the corner. Natron Culpepper uh, was one of the main guys this spring. So this secondary shouldn't have any issue, at least in terms of depth, that's for sure. No, not at all. Uh, secondary has been out there just flying around making plays all uh, all spring. Like Natron Culpepper uh, has been a really a highlight of the spring. He's he really came on into his role as a safety. Um, and then Nick Roberts has also been doing well. And then they've been trying out uh, Craig Watts. He's been getting a lot of reps at nickel. And then Ronnie Hoggins has actually uh, moved inside to nickel now. So they're kind of experimenting with their athletes in the secondary. And they did that last year with Dietrich Nichols as well. And it kind of suited him well. Uh, stopped putting him on an island and kind of matched him up with a guy of, you know, when you move Nichols to the, to the nickel, uh, no pun intended, obviously, Nichols. <laughs> but um, it, it kind of matches him up with someone of, of a similar skill set, you know, and, and, and I think Nichols' best attribute with how, was how physical he was and, and how he could get uh, physical both at the line of scrimmage as well as with the receiver and routes. So it, it kind of kept leaving uh, – Instead of leaving him on an island with a wide receiver one or a two, you can kind of match him up and, and let him take advantage of some of these smaller receivers. And for a guy like Hoggins, who has these long arms, uh, not the biggest size, but uh, athletically can kind of match up with most of them, it, it's a benefit for him as well. You know, obviously, I think this staff made it, made it a big point that they wanted longer and, and taller defensive backs and, and athletically big defensive backs. So. Guys like Mazzy Wilkins and Natron Culpepper and 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 even Nick Roberts kind of match up with what they want there. But uh, in terms of you know the secondary, a lot of these guys can move around. You said it. Craig Watts has even been experimenting in the nickel. He's a guy who could slide back and play safety if he has to. So uh, to have this depth, especially when it comes down to the season when guys get nicked up and injured, uh, it it helps a lot because you feel comfortable with taking one guy out and putting another guy in there and there's no drop-off in production. So uh, uh, for the last couple of years, you felt like that with USF secondary. And it, it's something that in, in today's days of college football, with most offenses moving towards a passing scheme or uh, you know a read option scheme, guys that can tackle and both cover are a blessing. And, and it's becoming the norm in, in football in general. So having guys, like you said, like Natron Culpepper who can tackle – uh, Ronnie Hoggins becoming more an adept tackler. Uh, Jamon Thomas, we've seen him grow from you know inconsistent to possibly one of the most consistent secondary members on this team. And a guy who is a true ball hawk, uh, his transformation has become incredible, and he embraces the physica- physicality of it now too. So uh, a lot to be like in the secondary, and overall in the defense. I mean, it, it seems like there really shouldn't be much of a drop off in production. So basically, I, I think that wraps up 
the both sides of the football. Uh, I guess in terms of main impressions I took away, uh, like you mentioned, Dakota, I feel like the QB battle is something that we're going to have to keep our eye on all the way up until probably maybe even the second or the first game of the year. Uh, I feel like that first game will probably be a feeling out process for Coach Strong and Coach Gilbert to see uh, and evaluate who they felt more comfortable with. Uh, just the hope is that you know one doesn't come away discouraged if they're not the starter. Uh, but after that, uh, it kind of becomes, uh, you know, in terms of the offense, it's it's not, you know, who can replace Quentin Flowers because you can't replace Quentin Flowers. He's, you know, he's the best player to ever step into your program. But it, it's about finding a consistent source of an offense, and we know that you know this is an offense that predicates itself off of being able to run the football. Uh, and with an offensive line that's losing a lot of that lost a lot of starters, that's the main takeaway that I had from the offense is who will shore up this offensive line and how will it get fixed by the time the season comes around. And defensively, uh, nothing to really that's caught my eye. I mean, I feel like we're we're gonna have loads of depth in both the defensive line and secondary once the season comes around and once all the freshmen get enrolled. Uh, the linebacker unit is an area that. You know, this upcoming 2019 class really needs to address it. Uh, but nonetheless, the defense still seems like a stout group. So uh, I, I, I was encouraged from what I saw from them in the spring game and in the general spring as well. Uh, now, in terms of recruiting, Dakota, I know that, uh, you know, USF has kind of been quiet on the most part for the recruiting front. You know, you had some decommitments. I know uh, Darius Henry finally backed off his commitment. That kind of didn't come as a shock to anybody. Uh, Kamari Morales, I, fi- I think, finally decommitted as well. and then, But they did pick up a commitment in a kid that I really like in TJ Robinson. I know you like him too, Dakota. Yeah, I really, uh, I'm a fan of TJ. Uh, he's a really athletic kid out of uh, Riverview. And I think he's, uh, he's one that could stick around for the Bulls, but obviously you shouldn't be excited because it's uh, not even the summer yet. Yeah, see, so this summer will be something interesting to watch, obviously. Uh, USF standing with one commitment right now, which, I mean, has them ranked fifth in the AAC, which is ironic. But, uh, you know, this will be a a feeling out process up until the summer when coaches really begin uh, to settle in on their targets. Uh, I know you put in, logged in a crystal ball for Shepard. He seems to be really filling the Bulls, and he seems like a a nice playmaker that the, the Bulls could add to the receiving room. Yeah, he is. He's a six-two guy at a Zephyr Hills that uh, is really good athlete. He's get really got really good hands. Uh, he's got decent routes, and he's really high on uh, the program and on Charlie Strong. He's really excited. He says the excitement and the energy around the program is uh, really really good. So he just everything that I've seen from him, and just he's been to campus a couple times the past couple weeks. So I just really uh, everything kind of is pointing in that direction for me. Now, any any notable uh, recruits come out to the spring game? I know that they also had like a junior day kind of event, or, or I guess their spring game was somewhat of their junior day. But any notable visitors over this spring that you kind of caught? I know Brendan Gant. Uh, he seems like a long shot, but he was on campus. Yeah, Brendan Gant was uh, on campus for junior day. I didn't see him at the spring game, but we did have uh, a guy from Armwood. He's a six four receiver, Ezra Anderson. Uh, he was there and he said he talked with Coach King and had a good time and everything. So he's a guy always, you know, that Armwood pipeline is just so critical to have. Um, 
Another visitor was Trey, USF signee uh, Trey Lang's brother, Kyler Lang. He had 17 and a half sacks last year for Godby. So him and his brother uh, really tore it up for them on defense. And so he used to be a, uh, he was a former USF commit. So we'll have to see if Coach Strong and Co. can get him back on board. Exactly. I know that uh, he's one of the main targets for the defensive end spot. Obviously, it, it I think moving forward defensive line wise, you know, maybe USF wants to tack on a couple more DNs. But I mean, in terms of defense, defensive tackle depth, once they get everybody in for this upcoming class, it shouldn't be a, a main target or priority. Although getting defensive line should be a, a main staple of every recruiting class, but it, it's not as much of a need as it was last season now. So maybe they, instead of, you know, taking three to four defensive tackles, they take, you know, one to two. Uh, I think linebacker might be a, a bigger spot for them. Uh, so I, I think James Gordon, uh, the linebacker that they probably have got their eyes on as well. Um, and outside of that, uh, I, I think, you know, offensively, it's going to come down to just playmakers and who they want. So I think Jaquan Shepard, like you mentioned, he's a guy that uh, could possibly come in and, uh, Mike Pop commit over the summer, depending on if USF can get him on campus enough. Uh, but that basically wraps it up for me, Dakota. Uh, any final thoughts from you? No, that's it for me as well. All right. Well, I'll make sure to follow Bulls247 on Twitter. Give us five stars on iTunes. Uh, I know we've kind of been off of our game a little bit here, but uh, we always try to give you guys the latest updates when it comes to this team. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. Uh, make sure to follow on, on Twitter, like I said. Uh, also subscribe to the website if you want uh, in-depth recruiting analysis. I know that uh, Dakota's got some really good in-depth recruiting stories on the website right now with a bunch of recruits uh, talking about USF. So uh, definitely check that out and subscribe for a VIP profile if you want that. Uh, and then we'll get you guys next time.